0: your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbardis, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest, coming now to Headphones in Your Ears.
1: Welcome, all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies, then talk about them. I'm your host, Chad Robinson, and joining me today is my good friend and co host, Dustin Melbardis. See, I can pronounce your name.
0: Well done i'm i'm doing i'm doing really good i'm having a great day it was rainy today down here in texas but i saw something incredible afterward chad guess guess what i saw
1: what did you see dustin a bunch
0: of geese oh, flying no. in a in a half w oh can you believe it
1: this is a I I i know the illusion but uh you don't know me and <laughs> my, they are my mortal enemy <laughs>
0: Oh, even when they're up in the sky flying in a V, the craziest shape geese can fly in? Yes, yes. More (laughs) like when they're
1: flying through my windshield at about 80 miles per hour. Ooh.
0: Yes.
2: Ooh.
1: Yes, during Labor Day, and I get stuck in middle of nowhere West Virginia, which is a lot of West Virginia. (laughs) With an infant. Good. (laughs) Yes, with with a two-month-old infant. But uh, aside from your beautiful scenery that I absolutely hate because I'm a crotchety old man, we have a great (laughs) guest today joining us today all the way from pretty much next bedroom over. Well. well <laughs> that
2: we'll sounds that. that sounds like
1: I'm in trouble. But <laughs> Russell her her office is in the next bedroom. <laughs> my, my my wife, Sarah Robinson. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Russell told me to get a guest, and I said I refuse to be anything but lazy about
2: this.
1: (laughs) And so we have Sarah joining us, but the nice thing about Sarah is she likes genres that we typically do not cover. So today we will be touching on one of those genres, and I can't wait to talk to Dustin about it. So before that, we like to meet the guests, get to know them a little better. Sarah's been on a couple of times due to various guilt trips, but good to have her back. Says, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yes, of course. So, Sarah. Yes. What was the smoothest romantic move you have ever seen in a movie? The kind of thing that makes you go, aww. Aw.
2: And
1: just fills you with the warm and fuzzies.
3: Well, as you may know, Chad.
0: I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, you you live <laughs> just I, one room I, over, Chad. So I didn't <laughs> know this already. Yes, this makes
1: us sound like we need counseling. <laughs>
3: I I am not one for one liners. I don't I don't like the pickup. I feel like it's an ego trip and it just I like a slow burn. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> the best definition
2: for me.
3: <laughs> anyway, so really the one liners don't do it for me. So the first thing I thought of that fills me with the warm and fuzzies would be from Jerry Maguire when uh jerry Maguire says i love you you complete me and i just and um michelle or renee Zellweger's uh character says shut up just shut up you had me at hello (laughs) that that's just you don't need to say anything when you know and that that makes me happy
1: (laughs) (laughs) very good i i'm feeling warmer and fuzzier already (laughs) dustin are you gonna warm us up with a good one-liner
0: yeah, yeah, mine's from. It's really romantic. I don't have it quite right, but it's something like "Anakin, I have the high ground. <laughs> don't try." No, no, I actually do have an answer to this. Um, and and I truly don't remember much about the context of it, but I, it's Ryan Gosling in The Notebook, mm. right? And, and he says the one. Th- I think they're on the beach. I don't think they're lying down in the middle of the street. But I, it's when he says, "If you're a bird, I'm a bird," and and I remember thinking, no. Oh, like, I, my, my face scrunched up and how cute it was. I was like, <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, all right, you got me. Ryan, speaking of geese, Ryan Gosling with the great line, Very good.
1: For me, I'm going to the all-time classic Princess Bride. There's a shortage of perfect breasts in this world. It would be a pity to damage yours. Just just smooth. And then Very she, good one. And then she jumps on him, and he's like, gently, gently.
3: <laughs> right.
1: Gently. Yes. Slam. So Sarah... What was the last movie you saw? Uh,
3: the last movie I saw actually was Corella that was on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um, somebody refused to watch it with me, so I had a lonely night and I watched it by myself.
1: Oh. <laughs> I, I caught the last 20 minutes, which told me that validated my opinion.
3: I enjoyed it, but I... My other genre that I love is Disney at anything Disney and and some animated, but mostly Disney. And so I just enjoyed having a new perspective.
1: Speaking of which, you snuck this one in on me. It is Disney produced. So the movie we were oh. talking about later, <laughs> I was thinking, just you know, same with Quentin Tarantino, hero produced or brought to you by Quentin Tarantino. Dag on it this one i'm thinking there's no way disney's involved in this i'm safe no produced by disney
0: i've been so far off with the i have not seen like it's been like six or seven years since i i I can think of like a disney movie that i was like excited about i will say i saw coco a bunch seen it a bunch i still i think it's really good uh, but I missed Moana. I missed Frozen. All these newer ones. That, and the Disney Plus subscription service. I don't. I don't subscribe to it. I only watch movies ten years or older. Right <laughs> there, you a, go. That, that's all I do.
1: We'll go with Tangled for ten years and older. That's a that's a big push for me. Yeah, Dustin. Oh, what,
0: that's the, that's the other one about the Dalmatians. All their tails getting stuck together. Tangled.
1: I, I see what you're doing there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I did not watch anything Disney. I um I have a tradition that whenever I uh lose power, lose internet, if I happen to have um, enough battery on my laptop, my tradition is I, I watch Four Rooms, I, ha- I have uh, the movie Four Rooms, saved on a hard drive, and uh, whenever like, you know, it, it's late, like, alright, I don't have any, I, I can't charge my phone, I'm, I don't have any power, uh, I'll, I'll rewatch Four Rooms from, I think, 94.
1: Okay, I thought we were going to go with like a thematic movie, like Pitch Dark, when there's no power.
0: Oh, that would if that. I guess that would that would make more sense. But I, I'm not planning on like losing power, so I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't make those downloads ahead of time. Maybe, maybe that's the next one that I, that I. Should.
1: All right, we'll we'll talk to Russell and make a top ten list of thematic movies for when you lose power. We love lists, so for me. I I wish it was something different because I feel like it's becoming trite at this point. But I I watched a horror movie. It was 2003's The Locals. It's a low-budget New Zealand horror film. I am trying to get 20 movies from each year uh, for the last 20 years. So 2003, I've got like two or three left. That's rough after the top five. The Locals... uh, it's fun enough for low budget and New Zealand doesn't come up with a bunch of movies on their own. So it's good for a New Zealand horror movie. We'll leave it, leave it at that. Dustin, enough about movies we've seen. How about movies that everybody should see and that we're talking about today? Can you tell us what movie we are covering today?
0: It is from 1999, (laughs) Runaway Bride. Very
1: good. Runaway Bride stars Julia Roberts, Richard Gere. You may recognize that pairing from Pretty Woman, Joan Cusack, Hector Elizondo, Rita Wilson, and Paul Dooley. It's released, as Dustin said, in 1999. It grosses $152 million. That's good enough for ninth at the box office. It is placed right behind The Mummy, which is great, and places uh, right ahead of, The Blair Witch Project, which for all $30,000 or whatever it costs to make The Blair Witch, my goodness, to, to come up against Julia Roberts is pretty good. The number one movie that year, Russell made a note mocking me, but I, I'm going to do it anyways. I'm still going to groan. It's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So let's all take a moment and sigh for what could have been. Uh, rest in peace, Darth Maul. Back to our movie, it has an IMDb rating of 5.6. Rotten Tomatoes, the critic tomato meter is not very nice to this movie. It is at a 46%. They are not feeling the love. The audience is a little bit more warm and fuzzy. They are at 53%. It wins no awards, which you
2: know, <laughs> at, at least it wasn't nominated
1: for a Razzie Award. So we, we've got that. But we'll talk about expectations. Sarah, had you seen Runaway Bride before?
3: Yes. Yes, I had. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So what were your expectations coming in this time? Did you like it originally?
3: I did like it originally, so I was hoping to like it again. I was also just hoping that Chad would enjoy it, because the last... Rom-com, I had him watch on with this podcast. He was not a fan.
1: Sleepless in Seattle. Check it out.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So I was hoping for better results this time.
1: Very good. Dustin, how about you? Had you seen Runaway Bride?
0: Ooh, I remember being 12 years old and this coming out, and me being so excited to not see this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I did not see it. I knew about it. I, I knew about like the, these this late 90s like rom-com uh, era, and it, I was, I guess I'll say at the time completely uninterested. But you know, you get in relationships as you get older, and sometimes you rewatch. Uh, some of your partner's favorite movies or, or sometimes you, you, you get a uh, what movies were, were important to them and so while I had seen it in in passing I I think this is the first time I've sat down with the intention of like alright I'm going to start this at the beginning and get through it and and um, I'm once again very grateful to be a part of this podcast to, to give it a shot but uh, this was not the first time seeing it but the first time really examining it.
1: Okay and do you think it holds up for today's audiences?
0: Oh <sighs> Hmm. No. <laughs> but <laughs> but but I I can't I don't want to like pick out the things that don't hold up. I I cuz I'm not exactly sure if I can. But I I I think there are some things that are classic about the movie. Uh or like Gary Marshall's visions of like what he wants out of a movie. And like things that are classic that like will kind of linger on and those things are uh, you know, th- those kind of ideas maybe you call them tropes they hold up uh, but as as far as and and hey, it's a love story right so love story uh, lo- love stories uh, linger on and hold up but uh I, I if as as far as a yes or no question I'm gonna say no on this one, but um that doesn't mean it was unenjoyable to watch.
1: Right? and We are coming off the Hero Podcast where our fellow co-host Brian Fry was feeling the love. Check out our Hero Podcast. He was demanding more romance. So we're here to give you what Brian Fry demands. So thank you, Sarah, for this recommendation. As she alluded to, I had not seen this movie. I have seen parts of it. This is one of those movies where the title pretty much tells you what the movie is. I appreciate that. <laughs> there's no subtlety. There's no confusion as to how they arrived at this title. I had seen Pretty Woman, so I kind of knew what I was getting into as far as a rom-com with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Same director is Gary Marshall. So that was my frame of reference. They There are a lot of fun callbacks to that movie. It feels very much within the Marshall family. I did enjoy it, so I've I have seen quite a few romantic comedies uh, through my relationship with Sarah, and they it's like a sine wave for me. There are hits and there are misses.
3: But I feel uh, the same way about some of your movies. So. Yes, that's a <laughs> there.
1: There are more misses in the horror genre than there are.
0: I would oh I would so totally rather sit down and watch like a top 20 list of late 90s rom-com than Thank I would you. be look well, well let's look at 1989's 30th best horror film from <laughs> Zimbabwe like oh okay it's another night with chad let's do it i don't understand Uh, his fascination i really don't i don't get it
3: you don't want to get me
1: started on zimbabwe horror movies Uh,
0: especially at 88 (laughs) yes yes
1: it it really starts getting sketchy past number two So, (laughs) so i i do really look forward to discussing this movie and we will do so but first we have to take an advertisement break but we will be right back after these messages
3: Like you.
1: What happens when two modern film fans go back and rewatch all the old classic films from yesteryear to see if they hold up? You get the Classic Film Jerks Podcast. Find the Classic Film Jerks Podcast on all the major platforms. And we're back. So before Dustin spoils this movie, if you haven't checked out Runaway Bride from 1999, pause our podcast Go check it out. It's free on Pluto right now. Dustin, for those of us that need a refresher on Runaway Bride, break it down for us.
0: As you said, the title gives away quite a bit. That's what the movie's about. And I decided to write this as if I were pitching the movie. It's very <laughs> casual. All right. So here, here we go. Ike is a columnist for USA Today. He's a procrastinator, bad about deadlines. So at a bar, he learns about a story of a woman who leaves guys at the altar and then uh, writes this column using her real name, causing him to lose his job when this person, Maggie, notices a whole lot of other things that are wrong that were printed in USA Today and contacts the newspaper. His pal, Fisher, who is married to his ex-wife, says, why don't you go to the town where she's at and harass her and learn all about her to figure out if it's true or not that she leaves everybody (laughs) at the altar, Uh, which she does. Uh, He falls in love with her, she falls in love with him. They do one of those real quick classic swap-out weddings where you take one guy and you just swap one of the principal actors uh, with this schmo named Bob. Uh, But get this, she runs away from this wedding too. And invokes the famous rule that if you jump into a FedEx truck and say go, that he has to drive you away, no <laughs> questions asked. Uh, Hector Elizondo gets in a good joke about FedEx, and then uh, uh, Maggie breaks into Ike's apartment and proposes to him. And then they get married in their imagination, and Joan Cusack is real happy about it. And a whole lot of other people have happy endings, the end. Very, very nice. Nice. Sure thing, Gary Marshall. You think that's going to make us $150 million? Easy. No problem. Okay, well, let's make this movie.
1: Yeah. Julia <laughs> Roberts, Richard Gere, we'll just do the reverse of Pretty Woman. So he's <laughs> a male prostitute? Well, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not that on the nose. All right, so let's
1: let's get into this, the screenplay and the plot discussion. Sarah, what did you like about this plot? Is it is it the warm and fuzzy, the... The everyone coming to the realization that they need each other.
3: I like I said, I like a slow burn. All right. Well this <laughs> Although was Although I didn't really feel like this was a slow burn. It was this, pretty quick. This was like
1: a two-week stalking. <laughs> but uh, as Dustin said, being
0: generous, yeah. This is like this is a week maybe. Yeah.
3: No, I I appreciate a uh, rom-com for what it is, where you see you it are introduced to the male and the female fairly early you you know right away that that's where it's going to go and you find out what that twist of events is and i like that it had this extra element of the runaway bride just because well if she's so afraid of that commitment or whatever is she really even going to end up with this guy that obviously you're you're gunning for and so yeah that was the big thing.
1: It is the classic fish-out-of-water yes. format. It's the inverse Hallmark movie. Every Hallmark movie has the New York or California city girl who comes back to the rural hometown, discovers the lumberjack chopping wood or whatever, and then falls <laughs> for him.
3: She didn't fall for like, any lumberjacks.
1: No, no, there, there were, were no lumberjacks. There in was the story. a story. You know what? That should have been an extra character. I would have liked to see Julia Roberts chopping some wood, mm-hmm. like flannel, brawny, all of that. Dustin, what do you think of our format here? Of we're gonna have stereotypes, I think, or or specific stereotypes of, of guys and her kind of malleable personality that makes her into these different fiancés
0: that, that's a good question uh is is because we what we're, what we're shown first is that instead of these stereotypes of guys we're we're very early we know that Ike is writing about the stereotypes of women yes and, and that's that's one that's like a talking point about his column, which is important to the movie for maybe five or six minutes, it is brought up <laughs> later on. But but uh, the we don't get into the female stereotypes as much. If if you're gonna ask about like the different types of guys that she like molds herself to, um, this is brought up by herself. Maybe Joan Cusack's character P- Peggy, I think. But but the the idea, I think she says, "I have problems." about about this particular thing. About like changing herself to whatever the the guy is. I know that uh, with with Ike he's he he asks that question about how do you like your eggs and this is how we learn that she only likes her eggs the way that her partner or her current partner likes the eggs. She's there there's no maliciousness here. These different guys and, and if we're gonna talk about the stereotype of guys we have uh, the hippie rocker, mm-hmm. the one that that was the wedding with uh Gil Chavez. That was the Gil Chavez wedding where there was the trampoline with the uh the Grateful Dead logo. Yep, and the rose
1: um, tattoo, the back tattoo.
0: Right, uh, truly unimportant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, we have uh th- then the then the pre priest Brian Norris with uh, played by Donald Logue. and that is I guess just traditional. I I mean, because he doesn't become a priest until later. Uh and then we have oh the classic stereotype. I mean, you can't do a late nineties rom com without the entomologist character. Am I right? <laughs> right. You gotta you gotta have the entomologist, and of course he's gotta wear like the tweed like jacket and he wears a bow tie. I actually really like that actor. I can't remember what else he's in. But like the those guys are the precursors to like the story within the story is that she leaves these guys at the altar. I, I think really it's, it's the, the, the movie focuses more on her than these, these male stereotypes in, in the end we get, uh, I, th- I think what, what Sarah said is is we get these two, the two, the man and the woman in this love story, we get them. And we get to just sort of watch them as they eventually get together. Um, which does happen pretty uh, early in the movie, like maybe an hour ten in, when we uh, it's at the the luau or, or I guess it's at the wedding rehearsal that the the switch is made. But yeah, I, I'd say there's only so much attention paid to the stereotypes of guys before we get into like a you know what is it about these two star-crossed lovers that is gonna have them end up together.
1: So I think I'm going to quote Russell's favorite movie. What about Bob?
0: That's a good one. We
1: we have the jock who starts out kind of with his own personality as well. He he's gonna take her for this hiking trip in the Himalayas, I believe, for uh, yeah, for their honeymoon. And she's got all these extravagant weddings before. She's been on a horse. There's a highly religious ceremony, as you said, the Grateful Dead with a trampoline, and Bob is the jock. He is the sports coach. He's the hometown. If if you're from a small town, you get it. He's the football coach. He is the god of that town. So everybody loves Bob, but he is very, very much the stereotypical jock. He's quizzing her on famous football players. He is going through very painful coaching metaphors at times. And he's very, very naive. Hey, random vicious reporter that my fiance absolutely doesn't like would you like to come have dinner with us how about come on our date he he's almost the catalyst for them getting together which is a very odd role
0: it's a well that they go back to i think more frequently than any of the other ones because what what we learn is all these other guys are good guys yeah that's that's something that's spoon-fed to us is that none of these guys had anything wrong with them these things these weddings don't work out because of of um well i'll I'll, I'll let you guys know what, what why don't they work out her hers it her fear of commitment Sarah
1: yes. why do you think they don't work
0: out
3: i I think it all boiled down to I don't remember the the quote exactly but what she said at the end she was basically like she didn't give them the chance to really know who she was yeah um she and and to have she knew who they were at least pretty well or could mimic that and she could be who they thought they wanted but they didn't know who she really was and she would realize that at the end right before the wedding although if you knew that why <laughs> why mm. wait so long i don't <laughs> know but and i just felt with with bob he was just trying too hard like mm. he just <laughs> he he knew what he was in for and he just kept trying saying nope it's not gonna be me it's not gonna be me and i i think that point i'd just be running away because i'd be frustrated with him being so convinced it wasn't going to be him being left at the altar i don't know
1: Mm, okay all right some some burns (coughs) on bob all right (laughs) Uh, my immediate thought was whoever the custom jeweler is in this town is making a killing. Oh. She's getting all these different themed engagement rings. She has the the high school sports type one that has the number one in diamonds. <laughs> She's got the bug encrusted yeah, one. Yeah, every woman's dream. Yes, yes. There were unique rings, the rose tattoo. I can't remember what the religious one. It might have been just a traditional.
0: It type. was gold band very traditional um because that's the first one that she shows in her keepsake box of rings
1: but this this is this is a very small town she's getting famous all over and ike just runs a hit piece on her and she's shown (laughs) to be a very capable woman she is working in some sort of hardware store when we first meet her and she's directing the male resident's how to fix things and saying, oh no, this is your attic fan, we've got them in the back. She's very capable and we see her later working in a salon. So she's got all these skill sets, but I think Sarah nailed it as far as she she doesn't want to really be herself. She slides into these other personalities and is just letting herself be malleable until it comes to the point of slipping a ring on. And saying, I don't want to commit to this personality for the rest of my life. But she doesn't know who she is.
0: Do we know who she is? And I'm asking that critically. And it's not not something that I was thinking about during the movie. Like, like I I don't like this. I was just thinking, like, what we know is that and all anybody will talk about, which is a big part of the movie, is like, like she is she's the butt of a lot of jokes from family and friends. The thing we know about her is that she is capable in terms of uh, fixing things and designing the things using like practical like pipes and fittings and that like that. Yeah, we know that. We know that. But I'd say the thing we I mean, what we're hammered with this a a lot is that's kind of the thing she's known for. The, uh we do get a glimpse as to like some interpersonal problems with Peggy which is that she's too flirty mm. like like what what in total do we learn about her besides that she has that she's pretty and has gotten people to propose to her
3: yeah i think i think some of what we do know is related to that design portion i i think and and i think that was part of the problem was the others didn't encourage her to pursue that dream because she had given up on that dream because of her father, because, because he was a drunkard and came home and and needed to help him. So I, and he, he very quickly said, why didn't you come out with a line and, and do something in, in New York or whatever and pursue this? And I don't, from what I could tell, that was something that was never really, encouraged by the other men and i think that was one of the things that drew her to him
1: yeah ike is definitely the first person and this is very sad that seems to have stopped and asked what do you want and this blows your dreams this blows my mind as far as a wedding because i've been through one my friends have been through one i can't think of a single guy that dictates to their bride-to-be this is what you're going to wear this is the type of ceremony this is where we're going to get married and this is where we're going to go on our honeymoon i'll just tell you from personal experience i had absolutely zero input on almost any of that i
3: offer thank you yes and
1: i was very supportive of every decision you made i briefly had her convinced to do cowboy's colors until i celebrated openly. But, but yeah, I, I think she's just lived a life of all these men dictating to her, you know, be it her father, her family's awful. I think we can all acknowledge that they're all just running her down all the time. So she has no self-esteem. All these, these grooms, if there is a flaw, it's that they never stop to ask, what do you want?
0: I think that's really important because I didn't have that answer. I asked you guys and you guys gave it. No, and I think that's that's exactly what's up. Now, Ike shows up and starts asking what she wants, but at when he starts this process, it's not in a it, it is it isn't in a loving way. Right. It's in it's in the I, antagonistic the, yeah, it is to- totally antagonistic but uh, for for the purpose of potentially like a GQ piece that his friend Fisher says you should try to figure this out i mean there, there there are parts of this that the leaps made i'm not going to criticize here the the idea is if he he figures out that it's true that this woman leaves people at the altar that he's going to write another story and, and 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 truly it doesn't matter cuz what we're here to do is like see them fall in love and that's great, but like I, as far as like writing a new story, to be like, hey, by the way, my name's Ike. You must remember me from USA Today. Everybody reads the exact same paper. You guys have been reading my columns for years. Just got fired. Uh, I, the reason I got fired, I went and tracked this woman down and found out that yep, she does leave men at the altar. So vindication. I think he <laughs> says the word vindicated in in the, in the movie. I'm. I guess I can I can say this. Really happy that they uh they end up together because if they don't. It's just, at first, two people that I'm seemingly not rooting for. And, and like, this guy is, this writer, the, the columnist, Ike, like, I'm not really rooting for him to get vindication. Uh, it was no. not a personal story to him. And then for her, now, it is important for your, you know, your partner to care about what you want. But all we have for a while is just that, yeah, she gets proposed to and then leaves people at the altar not necessarily something i was willing to root for either so the movie eventually got me to a place where i'm like all right well these i, I do like these two and i do well I, I like several of them but i I do uh end up wanting to root for some type of happy ending
1: yeah yeah very good and so i will cite gil gil was the most offensive to me he was the uh grateful dead he was the Deadhead. like mm-hmm. Random stranger comes in. Yeah, he's charismatic. Everyone says, "Oh, he sure makes friends quickly." As he's playing banjo with with (laughs) the chief of police and the mayor. And that was actually Richard Gere, by the way. He was improvising all of that. So props to Richard Gere. That's cool. But Gil, Gil, I have a bone to pick with. Cause he's just like treasuring this topless photo of Maggie and hands it to a random reporter who then immediately uses it for blackmail.
0: <laughs> I'm like,
1: no, none of this situation is really cool. It was done tongue in cheek, but Gil, man, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, th- yeah, that might be one of the things that doesn't hold up. <laughs> 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 one yeah, of, I guess I, I agree with you there, Chad. Is it like Gil isn't isn't somebody that I particularly would be? I mean, I'm glad that, like his auto shop is is successful enough but yes but but yeah i i would say of the of the remaining guys that she left the altar i mean the the priest ends up saying like yeah this is my life i'm glad you left me this this led me to this life uh priest norris or whatever father norris yes. i guess you could say and then uh the the entomologist is the catalyst for getting ike to this town do we know what this town is by the way i don't remember
1: hale maryland it's in maryland oh yes. okay. yeah so and dustin you talked about it a little bit but sarah will ask you about her friends because they they start off kind of supportive there's they say oh well the this guy's actually attractive and mac like really the vicious reporter is attractive but then they kind of help her out in the hair salon with the joker hairstyle
3: just like what my impressions were. Yeah, of the, what are these your friends? impressions
1: of her friends? Because I feel I, like it—it it stopped being consistent and supportive right about as soon as he left as a clown.
3: <laughs> I don't. I don't know. They. I think they were always on her side. It just maybe not what she thought her side was, and maybe she didn't know what her side was right away. Where she wanted to be very vindictive on her own side for a long time and wasn't really seeing anything else past that and um the joker hairstyle was quite a funny move and you have to be a pretty good friend to be be willing to do that with your (laughs) to help out but um
1: to maim a new york city reporter yes
3: I I kind of liked it. I thought it was it's
0: a win. Yeah, it's lovely. a win for the it's a win for our ladies for our Maryland ladies is like yeah, yeah. You're come to our town. Here's your new hair, right? And then uh, it, yeah, you'll need a bucket hat for for this, and you'll take it off a kid ten bucks for a hat, whatever. But like um uh, th- that's kind of a win. Like yeah, we showed him, didn't we? Um, and forty minutes later, uh, actually no, I want to marry you. <laughs> Not Christopher Maloney who's just a utter dreamboat. No, I want to marry you. Everybody loves here.
1: Elliot Stabler.
0: <laughs> Everybody loves Elliot Stabler. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: He's he's high in Sarah's list. Are you is he higher up than Richard Gere?
2: Maybe.
3: Maybe, yeah. <laughs> he,
0: he, and he's he's funny too. I I I think aside from the SBU, uh I know he was in Oz. Uh not for a comedic role, but uh in the wet hot American summer yes. he's, he's so funny.
1: Yeah. I guess where I'm going with her friends is that we had this kind of strange angle right in the middle. Dustin, I think you were the one that alluded to it of Peggy and Julia Roberts' character being very familiar and very chummy, and she used to date Peggy's husband, And, and they're celebrating on the baseball field, and there's a weird turn where Peggy's just essentially saying, hey, you're too flirtatious with my husband, back off. And it's, it's like an attempt at self-actualization, but then it, it really goes nowhere. It just seems like we needed a little bit of melodrama from the ladies. And then later on, her one friend goes chasing after Christopher Maloney once the rehearsal's over and the wedding's called off. She's like, hey, here's my number.
0: Y- yeah, uh, you know, I, 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 it, you're correct that it goes nowhere. It's, it should be more than melodrama uh what 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 I think is the the attempt here is to add more depth which is that like even this because what what we what we're shown by Mr. Marshall is that like this guy aside from the things that are like wrong with him this guy is attractive and this this girl Maggie is also so attractive that she keeps that she, you know she, like, like everybody's interested in her so like we we're even though they're they're famous beautiful actors gary marshall makes us know that like no these people if you see them you would be taken aback Uh, because everybody comments on how handsome uh, he is and he's got a tight butt says grandma or whatever
1: yes the horny grandmother was a great character
0: (laughs) (laughs) right right i actually have more to say on her later in our (laughs) superlative uh but and then, and then we have to know that, like, okay, well, she is also um, extremely attractive, so much so that this high school boy who's on the football team says, "I'm going to marry. Hi, you're my coach's uh, fiance, and I'm going to marry you. Don't marry my my coach, uh, whatever whatever that is." <laughs> so, so like w- we get that they are like on face value attractive and desirable, and then and then I, there's an attempt to add depth with this like. I'm also caring enough to where if I, if I see that there's a pain, a problem with this personal relationship I have with you, Peggy, my friend, then I'm going to attempt to address it. But it does fall short and, and essentially just takes up a little bit of time. Peggy's never not on her side. Right. Essentially, I believe that, uh, that the husband... Is only in the movie so that Gary Marshall can make the joke "Wake Up with phlegm Yes, <laughs> uh, it, like like it's the it's a, a lot of this side these side characters and side little subplots, kind of just exist for the joke and, and so like while the the they were seeking depth there it just kind of you do want to and I I I did ask myself while watching it this this last time I, I said when's gonna be that point where like i start rooting for anybody here when when am i gonna start saying like all right i really want what's best for her
3: yeah i i kind of felt like the scene where he was kind of turning peggy and making her remember that her friend was a flirt and that sort of thing i i feel like that was maybe not there quite as much for the depth maybe it was maybe it's me just wanting a rom-com being a rom-com, but I almost felt like it was just Ike trying to you, sh- show that Ike was trying to get different sides of the story and finding out what they were and stirring the pot a little bit. Because at that point, you weren't quite sure if, they, if, if Ike and Maggie even liked each other. So was he stirring the pot to make M- Maggie angry? Was he trying to get more information? And that just led to that situation, you know, stirring the pot. I, I or Maybe it was depth and a failed attempt, but I, I just felt like it was showing Ike getting into the story he, and digging deeper and that led to that interaction as well and, and it's an
0: indicator of, of him caring more. Right. Is that he's willing to ask that right. question. But he, yeah. he certainly is meddling. And oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> it was the weird, weirdest <laughs> threat in the opening meeting when he goes to hail he's like oh you're going to run and i'm not leaving here until you do I'm like i i think in some twisted way that's supposed to be somewhat romantic but it's a crazy threat <laughs> and and dustin yeah you're kind of hitting how i feel and so sarah i i guess i'll ask you for a different perspective Where did you start rooting for these characters? Because they make it difficult for us. Ike is calling her a man-eater. He's making up stories about random women in small towns that he doesn't even know. We have Maggie, who's just leaving people constantly. Maybe for you it's to just find that true love, and you're rooting for her right away.
3: I am rooting for it fairly early, but I, I think the turning point for me... And I think it was after that interaction with Peggy was when when Maggie was bringing her dad out of the bar and Ike just happened to be there, which was I, I felt like that was weird because it seemed like that bar was not in town. Oh, so he was he was stalking, stalking her. her. Yes, he was 100 percent stalking. Her. But anyway you know, she's putting her dad in in the pickup and obviously struggling with that relationship and everything. And he says, you know what, just, just leave him there. We're going to go for a ride. And I think that was the turning point for me in which I, I thought, okay, there's, there's a connection there more than just that. Cause I think that was more when they started talking about their dreams to each other a little bit more and snakes. It, okay. Snakes too. <laughs> snakes are scary. But in the car ride, the snakes were after the car ride. <laughs>
0: she goes, okay, Chad, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, you,
1: you nailed where I started rooting for them. I think they used this tragic story of Maggie up until then it all been about her and kind of self-absorbed and just giving us a lot of things that may not make her that likable. But then they introduce this issue with the dad and show her caring and how disruptive it is to her life that she's having to watch her dad. And at one point she breaks down and says, I don't like having a dad who's drunk all the time when he's just been running her down and bad-mouthing her. And she's Given up her free time to take care of this man. And, you know, she's been taking care of other people and projecting herself in ways that aren't healthy. So, yeah, for me, it's about the same place. And they do have the fun scene when the car breaks down and they're talking about, hey, in New York, I hail a cab. And she's like, well, in Maryland, we walk through the field. Watch out for snakes. And he does this very, very awkward run, which is a great scene mm-hmm. to avoid the snakes. And she's like, What are you doing? Like a snake isn't fast enough to catch Richard gear.
0: <laughs> high knees. Yes. You gotta keep your knees high. That's something that Bob could have told him.
1: Yes. So Dustin, did the did the dad storyline you talked about having difficulty rooting for these characters? Was that the turning point for you or was it earlier? Or were you feeling the warm and fuzzies earlier?
0: I I had I have something to say about that, which is I I, I almost think that was not poorly done, but it is necessary to have the, the her mother's passing and uh and dad's uh, alcoholism be the catalyst for why she's not able to move forward in her life that's a big character moment for her and Ike realizes it or or discovers it. I, I, I think that, and as someone who has uh, spent most of my, most of my twenties, it was, was drinking at a professional level and I don't drink anymore. Um, And I think that, that it's a alcoholism or drinking too much. However, whatever words you want to use is too complex of an issue to have it be like a plot device uh, without it being a major one. So unfortunately for for me when i when i saw that as like a well i'm not i and i didn't think to myself like oh this is a level of depth i don't think the movie is reaching i just thought to myself like uh, this this is just a way to get them together alone she decides to go on this car ride with this guy must be interested or or just flippant enough about her own relationship to to kind of see where this goes, like let's just see where this goes. Do do we find out after that, after the car breaks down on that long trip, what happens to passed out dad in the, in the in the truck?
3: No, I don't think. Yeah, so. we
0: don't, because 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 in the in the movie it's sort of like a oh let's let's put him away. We're gonna put him away over here, and we're gonna focus on our on our romantic leads. Where and and in the morning he's sitting there juggling oranges when he makes that joke and she says I I don't I don't want you to say that to me anymore you know, he 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 should not have his job anymore he he's sleeping till noon like if <laughs> if, if it's the level it's the, if it's the level that we're made to believe by watching that he's he's in this bad shape then uh he he's he's he should be portrayed worse that's hard to say but like that it's worse than that. And it should be it should be an issue that's maybe uh, spoken about between grandmother and Maggie. You know, that should be a, a bigger part of the conversation. But we just don't have time. The movie's an hour 15 minutes already. We just don't have time to get into that level of depth with with these characters. For, for me, even though I didn't love it, and this was actually like you can tell a movie. I think for myself, you can tell that uh, like you're invested in the movie when a cringy moment comes around and you start to feel uncomfortable. And rom-coms do a good job at this, and this movie did a good job at this, is at, at the luau. Mm-hmm. At, at, at the luau, when he, he, he kind of stands up for her because the, the thing the whole town does is make fun of her about believing men at the altar. Um, and, and I think he says his toast, may you find yourselves the bullet, bullseye of an easy target. May you be publicly flogged for all of your bad choices. May your noses be rubbed in all of your mistakes. Like, when he stands up for her in that way before the scene that happens outside, I think that was where I started saying, like, all right, he's now willing to go this far to chastise the rest of the town, her family. He's putting himself out there. Maybe we didn't see him put himself quite out there for this reason yet in the movie. I think that's when I started saying, like, all right, let's see these two together. And I'll end this long, (laughs) this long string of me talking with... There was a part of me when I hadn't seen this movie before, like when I hadn't seen it before that I was like, what if this is just a really good like friend relationship that happens and through like discussion and through self finding with this New York guy, maybe actually the Bob relationship like is good. Like maybe, maybe she actually like sticks with it and (laughs) they get married and 10 years down the line they revisit and like, yeah, things are going well. Thank you for helping me find myself. Bob's great. We climbed a bunch of mountains. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, there was a little bit, because I'm I'm not the biggest Richard Gere stan, and I was actually wishing he was a little slimier in this movie, but, like, there's, I, I thought to myself, what what's the thing that didn't happen? What if she ends up happy with someone else? I, I was mainly rooting for Maggie, not necessarily Maggie and Ike as the couple.
1: Ike is... I think it's important that Ike is the first character that we see Maggie actually change, her first male that she's affected and changed. He goes back to his ex-wife, who he used to work for. Horrible idea, by the way. And you see him, like, cuddling up to her and kissing, kissing. her. That was weird. That was a weird, weird yep. scene, by the way. <laughs> and he's basically apologizing, and we find out it's been, like, 10 12 maybe 14 years they've been divorced for a while and then fisher i did not really understand fisher was her husband (laughs) he comes in and he's totally (laughs) cool with ex-husband like sidling up to his wife on the piano and kind of kissing her neck he's like here's a scotch good buddy you know that (laughs) that was weird character development but we do see him (laughs) essentially saying i i understand now and i blew it and you weren't my world and I'm sorry that they, they did it in not a great way in a very you know, y almost 70s type way where maybe you'd be okay with some dude just sitting next to your wife, not being threatened at all. I don't know. <laughs> Richard Gere comes into my house and sidles up to Sarah on the piano. I'm kicking the dude out. I don't care what he has to say, but yeah, it was character development. So we see Maggie... Making him a better man, to quote Jack Nicholson.
3: Very quickly. Development, making yes. him a better man. Well we we don't have a
1: lot of time <laughs> in, in this movie, as as we've pointed out. It's an hour and fifty minutes long, so development happens quickly.
3: Yes. Apparently.
1: So a couple things I wanted to hit as far as fun casting decisions. I I'm intrigued by some of the casting for Maggie Angelica Huston, famous for Morticia Adams and the title role in Witches. Gina Davis, Demi Moore, Sandra Bullock. And I almost feel like this is going in descending order of people I would prefer. Ellen DeGeneres for Maggie. That would have been a very, very interesting choice. But any of those names strike you as what you want to see here?
0: Gina Davis. Okay, All the way. I want to see that movie. <laughs> know. Uh, you know what? What else I could think? Uh, Andy McDowell, I would like. Okay. And, and I'm not. I'm not jumping ahead to our our recast. I'm just saying, like, you're making me think of this time period. Let Let's be fair though. the The draw is Julia Roberts being Julia Roberts, which she is in like every movie. She's kind of her playing her with a different name. Would you? Would you disagree?
1: No, but she just has yeah. such a sweet, affable personality. She's great. You know, she's she, great. She got the moniker "America's Sweetheart" for a good reason. Sarah, Sarah, any of these names stick out to you? Any anything you're intrigued, or just say, "Oh no, let's not do that."
3: Well, Ellen DeGeneres would be an "Oh no," I don't, I don't, mm. I don't see her as being that endearing. I don't know. I I like Ellen. That's not. I just don't see her as being like the small town girl, sweetheart. You role. see
1: her as a blue tang of just keep swimming. Yeah. Yes. yes as a little fish. <laughs> yes.
3: Um, <laughs> the, uh, looking at that list, <laughs> I sometimes get Sandra Bullock and, <laughs> and Julia Roberts confused. <laughs> oh, so no. I could see that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I
1: can see Sandra Bullock if she had a blindfold on to the bird box.
0: She Yeah, but she can't.
1: I would be very intrigued by Angelica Huston. I think that's getting Morticia Adams as this big draw of this small town beauty. I I I don't know that she fits country beautiful, but I'm I'm intrigued and just for the train wreck, I want to see that happen. But I I think you're right, Dustin. The obvious one is Gina Davis
0: angelica houston fits in this movie if it was made 12 years later right around the time that gary marshall's making all of those uh um holiday themed movies like what, what new year's new year's eve and what what are they what valentine's day yes. mm-hmm. mother's day arbor day does he make that movie
1: he it's in the works right now
2: <laughs>
1: it's, it's it's essentially
0: yeah where where the sheer size of the cast is part of the draw, but I don't see her as being the small town, small town girl in in this instance. But
1: it gets more fun for me for Ike, because at the top of the list of people we consider is Christopher Walken, which I want to see every single time for for just reasons other than making a good movie. We have. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we have Harrison Ford. This makes sense. I've seen it. We covered Working Girl earlier this year. We have Michael Douglas as well. You know, he can he can turn on the sleeves and he can turn on the charm. And we have Ben Affleck for Bob, which is an interesting choice. I think I could see him being a jock type character, but. Is there anyone, for chaos reasons or otherwise, that you would be intrigued in seeing replace Richard Gere? Maybe you don't want to see Pretty Woman Part Two.
3: I was just gonna say um, I could see Michael Douglas doing it. I I'm a big fan of um, American President, okay, and and so I can see him in that kind of role. So, seeing those names, that's who I would think of. Um, for that reason. And no, Bob cannot be replaced. <laughs> oh,
1: what if he's replaced with Matt Damon?
3: Mm, I, I don't know. She's intrigued.
1: <laughs> She's like, it may not improve the movie, but it'd improve it for me. You know, what,
0: what What if he's replaced with Bill Murray? Like the other, like the actual what about Bob? Yes. It's, what if we just switch Bobs?
1: I'm down for it. No. Sarah's shaking her head violently oh, no
0: no no on that <laughs> he's so likable chris maloney in this in this movie I, I, but no for me it's willem dafoe clearly willem dafoe plays the sleazy columnist mm. who i don't think you could get, you could get him to to be lovable uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, i'm yikes i'm o- i'm only saying that because we watched him uh we watched him get kicked out of mexico which is a phrase i'll never ever uh forget <laughs> in a wheelchair a flight,
1: yes check out for- born on the 4th of july yes you know i'm something of a mechanic myself
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh as far as um as far as for for ike in in, in the end uh it's not. It's not that I, I I found myself like rooting for them both, but it was Julia first, then then Richard Gere second. But I think the thing I like most about him is his apartment.
2: Mm,
1: okay, you like the New York apartment?
0: Love it. I love that. I, I, yes. It makes me think of how expensive it would be. Unfortunately,
1: I, I was distracted by the kitty cat. <laughs> the The cat resembled uh, my cat who passed away well, this January. Oh. And it's like, oh, it's a Norwegian forest cat. <laughs> Trivia, I wouldn't have known previously. And I was just fixated. He probably said lines. I don't know what they were. A the
2: cat? Oh, well,
1: no, the, the, <laughs> the cat spoke to me. But I'm sure Richard Gere had lines. I just They were gone while I was distracted by the beautiful Norwegian forest cat who likely rest in peace because it was 1999.
3: Yes.
0: I've just depressed the
1: podcast, so I'm going to move on.
0: <laughs> That's one Circle of life. Yes.
1: A kid got dragged down the aisle during a wedding, and that makes me happy. Let's talk about things that make make me happy. Children getting injured. I know Dustin from his history in the podcast. Small children getting injured. This is way up on your, your podcast. Forget them kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I do want to spend a little time talking about Gary Marshall. He is our director here. He is... Of the famous Marshall family, he is Penny Marshall's brother. So he directed this movie. He's directed movies that somewhere in here you've seen a Gary Marshall movie, if I had to take a bet. Most famously, Goldie Hawn's Overboard. He does Pretty Woman, which I mentioned. We have Dear God highlighted. I don't know what that movie is, the Princess Diaries, The Raising Helen, Georgia Rule, and then you hit on his latest movies, the hodgepodge casts that get progressively worse. Valentine's Day, then New Year's Eve. I had no idea Mother's Day was a thing, but uh I, I am... think
3: I had you watch the other two though.
1: Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. I uh, I have seen quite a bit. He's done raising Helen again if I didn't say that and he gets a lot of director of television we talked about kind of the tropey things Well, he's cutting his teeth on Happy Days Laverne and Shirley starring Penny Marshall and Mork and Mindy does a couple other Laverne and Shirley episodes Herndon, Let's Get Mom so it does have some of those sitcom tropes but what do you think of Gary Marshall's style here
0: I I think it is that he's got a way that comedy is delivered to the audience. And it makes me think that the jumps that we make in plot are, they have to be forgiven uh, because all we're doing is getting to the next joke delivery. And so some of the scenarios aren't as uh, well-developed or, or, as comedic today as they were then. But I, I think that he's still deliver like like you could guess that that's the joke that he had in his head when he was pitching the movie. And like, like oh, we need to get to the part where she's walking down the aisle and seeing Richard Gere and she stops and the whole audience gasps. Or sorry, all, all the guests at the wedding from the New York side and the Maryland side gasp. To him, like he's he's rolling on the floor thinking. Now that's funny. That is what audience want, and he's right because it's commercially successful, and uh, he's he's in that genre. You know the the rom com I brought up like is definitely much more rom than com, and I I think uh, there's like there's like it's not formulaic, but it's like this is a Gary Marshall movie, and you could you could like pick it out of a lineup, almost. And that's comforting in a way when you know that it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, um, you know, there, there's going to be this type of gag. It's going to be unapologetic with the type of jokes that it makes. So, like, it, 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 I feel like it has an imprint on it.
3: Yeah. I'm not one to notice directors. I'm really not. I, it, But looking at this list, I'm like, oh, I've, I've seen that and I've seen that and I've seen that and these were all things that I wanted to see. And... I, I remember watching Princess Diaries thinking, oh, I'm too old for this, but I'm going to watch it anyway because I, I always just felt like it was more like a teen drama or not drama, but um, comedy. And but now thinking back, I remember watching it thinking, this is a good movie. I enjoyed it. I was surprised, but I enjoyed it. And now seeing that on that list, I'm thinking, OK, that makes perfect sense. Just the way that it, like you were saying, like, the way he does gags and the way that he looks for stories to end up, you know, start and end up and how to get there from, get from one place to another. I, I can see it. I can see it being with those, but I had no idea that they were the same person.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did some of this at least feel familiar to yes. you? Have I know you've seen yes. Pretty Woman quite a bit, so some yes. of these scenes were probably...
3: Yes, I've seen Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, Princess Diaries, Georgia Rule, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and all of them follow a very same, similar formula, but in in completely different storylines, but you can still tell where it's going and and what those gags not what the gags are going to be but how they're going to be delivered yeah
1: he likes to reference his own movies or other movies that actors or actresses have been in as well as he likes to reference things that penny has been involved in so we see callbacks to pretty woman Mm -hmm. we see the buying the clothes scene where vivian in pretty woman was rejected hey you don't have this money you can't buy these clothes Maggie, same situation. You can't buy this dress. It was a very... It was straight out of Pretty Woman. We get the crab mallet that gets sent flying in (laughs) in this scene. He loves shellfish gags. Because Pretty Woman, we have the escargot, which is actually (laughs) caught by Gary Marshall. And if if you pay attention to Gary Marshall movies, you'll start seeing extras that keep popping up. He puts his kids and grandkids in the background, so they show up in this movie quite a bit. But you'll see Gary Marshall; he winds up putting himself in the movies as well. I think he was a, uh, a the second baseman or something. He's out in the baseball side, but yeah, Dustin, you're you're right. His his style, I think, is very much influenced from the Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days it's yeah. sitcom-esque mm-hmm. which doesn't allow for too much nuance in the characters a lot of their personalities are there to set up jokes so yeah Bob is yeah. Bob is to set up the sports joke or the sports pun the entomologist is there because someone took a bet and said can we make a guy whose profession <laughs> is studying bugs funny <laughs> like this is the bet So, <laughs> so you know yeah
0: yeah, if there's a quip to be made, it might be funnier if another director was doing it to like let the silence be the joke, but that's never going to happen with Gary Marshall. He's going to have Hector Elizondo in the movie make the joke. Or he's going he's he's going to have someone make the joke even if you were ahead of it. He knows that part of his job is to deliver in that sense and so he does. And that's not there's nothing wrong with it. Just like there's nothing wrong with the difference between today's comedies that are all over Netflix that are very good, compared to you know if if you were watching Nick at Night or TV Land, like that's you know seeing seeing Lucy stuff all those chocolates mm. into her mouth is a different style of funny than Big Mouth or what's the what's the big net uh the chai chai party ant just came out and everyone is tweeting about it uh you know we don't have. I don't... What, what's this movie rated? PG.
1: Movie rated? It is very soft PG. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So, like, the, it's its it's its own style, and, uh, you know, it's definitely different than four rooms, but, like, it doesn't mean that it's less enjoyable.
1: Right. And we'll talk about the atmosphere of this movie a little bit. It's set in the late 90s. It's present day, 1999, 98. Location, like we said, is Hale, Maryland, which is actually Berlin, Maryland, there are three thousand actual residents of the town of Berlin. So, what do you think? Is this similar to your Hallmark Christmas movies of we have the New York City come to the small town? Is this comfort food for you, Sarah?
3: Yes, it is. Yes. That's yes. What... Often <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking about the size of Berlin compared to the size of like where my family family's originally from and.
1: <laughs> they they lacked barbershop quartets the yes
3: tr- they did there were no barbershop quartets a true that indication
1: <laughs> that you have arrived in the sticks
3: <laughs> yeah that it was very hallmark-esque and it, it did feel that way you're not and i even made that comment to you afterwards that i i understand it may have had some hallmark moments and that was definitely one of them the big city person coming to the small town
1: yes and learning a lesson small town moral lessons from the upright selfish big city person
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that that's a that is a a really good part of a plot line for the 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 TV sitcom um 30 rock mm-hmm. where they they travel to a small town in georgia and the two main characters in the, the show but also in that episode are, are, are both like tv ex- one's a tv executive one's a tv uh, producer slash writer and in in the episode they have one of the locals say like hey you, you, quit trying to make us seem like we're like wholesome america quit trying to paint us this way we do things our own way you don't know it and we're and we don't exist to uh balance out like your city America to rural America. Uh leave us alone. And what what I'm thinking of like with this Hallmark ask is what you say. And I, I it made me think of I think it's kind of a classically well known that like you can't get a lot of the classic movies on these subscription services like around Christmas time. And I remember watching something called Christmas in the Smokies. Oh sorry. No. I sh- I should I shouldn't shouldn't say it like that. I remember turning on the movie Christmas in the Smokies and then turning it <laughs> off about 5 minutes later cuz you know you couldn't get like Rudolph on Netflix or you couldn't you couldn't get like the classics. So I turned this movie on and it was exactly as you described. It was not like it wasn't lumberjack, it was like young lady moves back to rural town to work on her uncle's failing blackberry farm nice. or something like that. So like sorry. it's exa- it's exactly like the formula you laid out. But I mean and the thing that made me mad about that is that clearly this was made in California because the mountains were the Rocky Mountains not the Smoky Mountains i won't <laughs> i won't go on further about it was just very obviously not the smokies come but, on um, made for tv hallmark I movie i cannot believe they they got that wrong but like the idea of richard gear ike getting some small town justice once again just kind of brings a smile to your face
1: All right. So it's working for you. But in reality, Richard Gere hated this place. So he learned (laughs) no lessons. He called it the sticks and he refused to stay in Berlin, Maryland. He stayed 15 miles away in Ocean Pines. So he was not having any of it. He's learning no life lessons. Julia Roberts is there hobnobbing with the 3000 residents who are super excited. This kind of put Hale, Maryland, or Berlin, Maryland, on the map. Like I said, it's 3,000 people. It pumped a million dollars into their economy. Wow. And it said it doubled its tourism. I don't know what that number looks like. Did it go from 6 to 12? Or, (laughs) like, the the mayor has said hey this is a big thing like people will come to berlin maryland and do the little runaway bride tour so that's good for them <laughs> do I... they
3: have an official tour
1: yes and we're not going it's... oh <laughs> we're not
3: far from maryland yeah
1: i i saw that little
0: <laughs> whatever berlin maryland only had three people in their barbershop trio and then they were able to hire a fourth <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 yeah so I, I mean great for small towns Coming from West Virginia, we're big when someone actually films something in West Virginia. We get excited about it. It it does pump money into the local economy. We so get excited. The wrong Marriott. In. Yeah, yeah, we're still mad about Mothman <laughs> prophecies. We will complain every time that comes up. That is not our Marriott. Our Marriott is nice. We do not have a shack Marriott. <laughs> how how dare you? Also, Richard Gere
0: movie.
2: He,
1: he probably <laughs> he probably didn't stay in West Virginia either. We're we're just gonna turn on Richard Gear right here.
0: <laughs> oh, I just want, I just want to say, dear listeners, is that he'll say like, yeah, we'll 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 come to arms whenever that's brought up. Uh, you brought it up.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sarah brought it up, but yeah, things filmed and possibly not filmed in location. But we'll talk about wardrobes a little bit. I thought this was cool. All the dresses were custom made by. Albert Wolsky, except they call it the dress, the final dress. It was just an off the rack. It was actually the last gown. I'm going to mispronounce this, but I'm Abera. Sure. Wolsky thought it was just perfectly made for Julius. So it's kind of cool that they went through costume design for all these others that had to fit different themes. But when they needed the dress, he just managed to luckily find one in the store but any any wardrobe or costume comments
3: i feel like that that hearing that story though it it makes sense that that would not be so just for me like that final wedding was the it was just peace it was it was not anything extravagant it was not anything grand and so that the fact that it was probably their easiest find makes sense to me yeah. not not that anybody would have known it just watching it but it it just makes sense that that would be the case are we talk
0: are we talking about the dress where they're they're getting married in the field like the, when they're actually getting married are we talking about the bell dress that was part of the scene that, like I want to buy that dress well that's a thousand dollars but which dress are we talking about
1: it's the final one where they actually do get married mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm that's a beautiful dress. as far, As far as the wardrobe, I mean, we, we have we have long skirts. We have, we have suits that like I I still prefer to wear my suits kind of like that era. Um, my my suits are not tapered at the ankle like like they are so commonly now for men. Uh, they aren't so incredibly uh like tight and fitted. Like there there were things about this movie that like I. And it was only like only two months ago that we did To Die For, and it was like the exact same time period. I would yes. say, and and like that, this like the same the same patterns. I I I I will say even like the hairstyle, like Joan, uh, Cusack's hair made me angry. <laughs> I have to look at it, <laughs> but uh, like yeah, like when you see the all the people in the stands for the softball game, you're like, oh yeah, I remember when we all used to look like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right or like the baseball caps used to fit like that they used to fit on your head like that without like the snapbacks or the flat brims um like oh that's just what people wore you know there 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 are some low lights which i made sure to uh, to record but yeah you know, yeah this is just kind of how how people dressed and uh, because it's not period because they're not they're not like taking a look back 10 years or 20 years that it was like in the moment like it's all it's all accurate and, and good like, it's uh, it's exactly what that seemed like at the time.
3: Yeah, I remember thinking about Peggy's hair, kind of the same thing, except I remember thinking, oh, yeah, people used to do that with mm-hmm. that those clips all over Butterfly the place. Butterfly clips,
0: <laughs> yeah. Hers are, like, giant, too. Yeah. Like they're not, like, little girls' clips. They're, like, they're just, like, giant
3: clips. Yeah, I, yeah. I do remember that time.
1: And this this movie features a lot of music. We get a, a lot of different songs. Sarah's already dancing. So we will toss this up to Sarah. What do you think of the soundtrack of Runaway Bride? Does it speak to your heart? Does it make the movie better?
3: A lot of the songs are songs that do speak to my heart just because of the era (laughs) I I mean that was that was the time we were in high school that so like ready to run I remember playing that on the radio blaring it up in my car and just windows rolled down screaming so like that just makes me feel warm and fuzzy I, I love it and it fits it and there were a bunch of others but that's the one that just Stands out to me Is ready to run I just I I would serenade you right now But nobody wants to hear that (laughs) Yes
1: (laughs) By Formerly the Dixie Chicks But now just the Chicks
0: Just the Chicks Yes Yeah they were the Dixie Chicks Back then Yes Yes Uh, Movie Movie starts with The U2 song Which is one of my favorite songs But I didn't Like it's It doesn't I It it obviously fits the The theme Right Still haven't found what I'm looking for Clearly uh, that's the only that's the only song I think there that maybe doesn't fit in the rest of the time, like like, like the the mm-hmm. those types of, you know, Martina McBride, Dixie Chicks. I'm thinking like it would not have surprised me to hear like a little Shania Twain in there. Yeah, you know, man, I feel like a woman. It, it was all it was all very much like that. The Sean Colvin song in that one never saw blue like that mm-hmm. for me. Like Sean Colvin, I like the Sunny Came Home. I like the little uh, kind of like this song has like some happy music. And and it did feel like it fit. There were some music editing parts where it was just like, All right, we stopped the music. It's almost like somebody like stopped playing it on their phone and like, all right, move to the next song. <laughs> but aside from that, like the the music all felt here, and there weren't any like bad covers. I don't think there were any bad choices. Also, I love the movie uh, movie. I love the song Maneater by Hollow Notes.
1: Mm. See this is this is a frequent complaint of mine as far as romantic comedies. It's almost a trope, where they use music how I would use it in high school when I thought I was being very clever and putting the movie <laughs> together. Be like, this song says similar things to what I want to convey. We should play it here, and it's just so on the nose. We yeah. s- we start with still haven't found what I'm looking for. She's riding the horse away from a. A wedding, we play ready to run as she's getting ready during a montage of running away from a, a wedding, and then right after <laughs> yep. Ike's column calling her a man eater, which is obvious why they did it because then they, in case she didn't get the joke, they play Holland Oates man eater. It's like good, good grief, Gary Marshall. We get it, you, you are, uh. You are taking this soundtrack and beating the horse with it. And the yeah. horse has been dead for a while. I get it. <laughs> so we had we had a very similar, well, I had a very similar complaint with how to lose a guy in 10 days. They love doing this in some of these romantic comedies. We are oh, yeah. really going to pick a fitting song rather than just, I don't know, here's a fun song.
3: I think it fits to their audience, though. All right. because I loved oh, totally. it totally. I loved it and I I know I'm target audience. So <laughs> that
1: that is fine. It works and I'm glad you're here to give a different less crotchety opinion because here I am just That's saying That's the way we always work. This yes. Yes, <laughs> you are you are here to give the bright sunny optimism and I am here to just needlessly hate on fun. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there there are some movies where it's just like exactly as you described, like all right, we're we're gonna put these contemporary songs just kind of back to back, and it's and it's going to be just right on the nose. Another soundtrack like that that makes me, it makes me think of. I think you said How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, but I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking of uh, Coyote Ugly. Yes, like all those songs, just like boom, splat, right in there. But yeah, it's it, it's not inaccurate, but like that's kind of what you can expect. Uh, is not like a full score um and and let's be honest uh using a wedding like as a big part of a movie right like you're there's going to be like wedding music there's going to be certain scenes that are laid out right if you're going to um, i also watched father the bride this week Maybe. and yeah and i did i almost watched my best friend's wedding as well mm. but like when you have what when you have a, a bridal piece or like a, a a wedding as part of the movie, it's automatically gonna be longer because you have to cover the planning period, you have to cover the uh the rehearsal dinner, uh, you have to cover the day of stuff, and, and there's just there was so much packed into this. I almost think like like and we ha- and we only got snippets of the earlier weddings, but um yeah there there's all you have to fit all the wedding music in as well. But as as far as the contemporary stuff, they jammed in. Like, who's gonna blame them? It's like I said, we, we got to forgive them for for this stuff. Ah, oh, you have to forgive them. I will continue <laughs> being bitter, but <laughs>
1: I'm gonna move on to things I'm not bitter about. And is everybody ready to give out some superlatives?
0: Oh yeah. Yes. Sure.
1: There's no fitting song that I can sing for movie superlatives, or I'll, I'll I'd insert it here. But we will start with our MVP, director, actor, supporting actor. Sarah, who is your MVP?
3: How can you go with anybody but Julia Roberts? Mm. She's just, it, it's, she's what makes that movie. She She's the, the driver of the story.
1: She is the saccharine sweetness to yes. our rom-com. Dustin, how can anyone go with anyone else but Julia Roberts? Are you going to tell you, us?
0: she's great uh and 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 i love her but the the mvp here is gary marshall because he said how do i pitch this movie and make what five thousand percent or five hundred percent like he just made so much money from this from being not a great movie (laughs) (laughs) that that's a big mvp like sometimes the mvp of the finals is on the losing team right because they because they did all the right stuff and in this case, I would say, hey, the, the critics meter and the tomato meter, we're hovering around 50% here. I can see why. But Gary Marshall made a lot of money, and that studio's happy with it. So that's why he's getting my MVP. Right, Kind right. of a roundabout way of giving that award.
1: I'm going to side with my wife. just Not just to side with my wife, but yeah, Julia Roberts. The character should be frustrating. I feel like had you cast someone like Renee, Renee Zellweger... Or maybe Courtney Cox, someone that can easily irritate me. It wouldn't go down. <laughs> but Julia has this smile and charm that kind of makes you forget that you just watch a terrible scene with her, just being an insane person, and you root for her again. So she kept me rooting for her despite you know, constantly leaving people and having no personality in the beginning. So Julia Roberts, Best Supporting Actor, Sarah.
3: I have no reason for this except for who he is. And that's Christopher Maloney. Oh, you have reasons. You've, you've seen that man shirtless in a
1: shower scene. That's your reason. I know that.
3: Sorry. I just really like him.
1: Yes. Yes, Bob.
3: It he, doesn't matter what he's in. Yes.
1: He's a
0: real hunk. He's a fun character. He's a big honk, man. He's
1: a fun character. Dustin, have you seen Christopher Maloney shirtless?
0: Uh, so many times. Not on film. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> essentially my best supporting actor is whoever plays italics the cat
2: yes uh,
0: that that's my absolute number one but close second is uh the weird fisher character played by hector elizondo mm-hmm. i i know that he only exists to deliver punchlines and that's all he does and he's in it for four minutes and that's all you need him to do that's all he's there for and i but he did a good job
1: excellent he was he did a very good job of being okay with his wife being hit on
0: super weird
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i did not copy sarah's answers but yeah i'm going with christopher maloney on my end i primarily know him as stabler but yeah i have seen wet hot american summer and he's a great clueless jock here he's actually menacing at one point in the movie he does a lot of fun range he actually has great comedic chops when he's not just staring and sternly reprimanding someone in a law and order show hidden gem underappreciated minor caster element Sarah
3: so I'm kind of going with what Dustin was saying earlier the character the actor that plays Fisher Hector uh, Elizondo yes uh, Elizondo. <laughs> I just I loved I I thought he was great even though he barely was in it and Right. We're harkening back to the um, scene where he sees Richard Gere kiss his ex wife or kiss his wife, and he just is okay with it. And I just I love that that moment, even though it was really awkward and really I'm <laughs> just cons- weird.
1: I'm now concerned
3: that I'm going to move. <laughs> oh on yeah,
0: maybe, maybe you should be a little bit <laughs> <laughs> Dustin.
3: I have no ex husband. Uh,
0: my 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 hidden gem are are specifically kid and gem style jokes that gary marshall peppers in through this movie that's the reason they exist like it's the reason the whole movie exists really um and just one of them that stood out to me as just like oh that's that's good uh even though there's oh, you're flooded with them is uh wedding cake freezes this we know like like i, I thought that was a funny joke <laughs> yes. I, it came from either grandma or dad but it was it was a funny joke there's there's a bunch of those just kind of peppered in they don't all land sometimes it's the name of like like the joke name of the what's the name of the salon curl up and die yes it's like the, the only reason a salon exists <laughs> in this movie is because he said you know it'd be a funny name for a salon curl up and die <laughs> they're like whatever you say mr marshall and then they write it like so like that's the, the whole the whole it's just a platter for jokes that's my hidden gems
1: yeah they even have when they're going through the greatest hits of her running The one, two, and three beside that video cassette and a cassette children is what we used to watch videos on that wasn't hooked up to the internet (laughs) is the graduate, which has a very, very famous wedding scene. So, yeah, he does like peppering that in. I think I'm going to change mine. He has a lot of cool things like Johnny Unitas is sitting on the bench outside of the bakery. And when we're, we're talking about sports, it's cool to see him there. But I think my hidden gem is the little old ladies that keep assaulting Richard Gere with newspapers.
0: (laughs) Newspaper. (laughs) After he writes
1: the Maneater column, he just gets whacked every time. And I don't, I think it's the same lady that is for some reason following him to Maryland, whacking him with a newspaper. And I appreciate the perseverance and the dedication (laughs) to that joke. It, I like seeing things just get hit. I think I went with Monty <laughs> Python, the cat being beat against the wall. <laughs> so I am a simple, simple man. Sarah, recast. Who are you recasting in Runaway Bride?
3: I'm sorry. I I dislike this, and I could not decide, and I just, I'm abstaining. Boo. Oh. <laughs> oh.
0: No, you can't do that. I,
3: I'm terrible at it. Uh. I'm terrible at it. That's like the thing that gives me the most anxiety.
0: Well, you well, hey, we have to. What?
1: The the first baseman is now Matt Damon.
3: Sure. <laughs> there we go.
0: Okay. Oh, phew.
1: Did. <laughs> yeah, the, the show would have come apart. We cannot have a push.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. That's feel better now. I, I kind of want to put him in the barbershop quartet now. Can we put him in the barbershop quartet? Well,
3: if you're <laughs> replacing we him, him, you got to find three other guys, too.
1: His other brother, Ben Affleck. Okay. All right, we've got two. Kevin okay. Smith and Jason Mewes.
0: Jason Mewes, yeah.
1: <laughs> Kevin Smith? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Who's
3: Jason it, Mewes? Well, yeah, oh, Kevin Smith. He yeah. he
1: is Jay from Jay and Silent Bob.
3: Oh.
1: But Kevin Smith likes working with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. So just the four of them. They're the Barbershop quartet. But we
3: started with two good-looking guys.
1: Oh, oh! I didn't know that was. <laughs> the, I didn't know that was hey. the qualifier. So, so now we've got to put like Kobe Bryant and Chris Hemsworth there.
3: Y- yeah. Okay. Okay, right. we can go there. Right. I, I find That's Kobe believable. Bryant to be a very strange addition there, but you can go with that. Right,
1: I'm just pick- <laughs> picking people you find attractive. Yeah. <laughs> we've come up with a very strange barbershop quartet. Yeah.
0: Sure, Dustin. T- <laughs> yes, Cableson. Kobe Bryant in, in, the, in the, the the Maryland uh, yes. barbershop quartet did not think he would be hitting this uh, moment in the podcast. Rest in peace, Kobe.
1: Yes, it's a fitting tribute to his first and only movie. Actually, he has yeah. he has an Oscar for his. Uh, yes. sh- short, we, so.
0: we went. Yes. We went with. I'm going to abstain from this question too. Kobe Bryant in the barbershop quartet. Yes.
3: Question. We can take him out and put somebody else in there. No, no we are not taking movie.
1: the mamba out. The black mamba <laughs> sits for no one. That's
0: right. Eighty one points in one game. <laughs> yes. My recast is uh instead of Yule Vasquez who played a gill, uh let's get Hank Azaria in as him. I think that would be kind of a a fun, wacky, like, like just kind of make him a little be a little more out there. I thought his performance was flat and Hank Azaria could elevate him a
1: little bit more. So is he being Hank Azaria or is he doing a voice here?
0: Uh, he's being like, uh, he's being, because he can be so many different people. But like, I, I think the first time I saw him act uh, in the TV show was Brockmire. But as a movie, he was the Along Came Polly, like guy okay. that like, takes Jennifer Anderson's character out, you know, on his boat. And he's just, he, he is a chameleon. So I think he could totally do like uh oh, who would he be? The bus driver. Who, who, auto. auto. He could totally do like an auto the bus driver as Gil. I think that would work.
1: Okay. All right. I like it. I am recasting uh, Reg Rogers. I know you said you liked him, Dustin. He's the entomologist X. Yeah. I've never said this in the history of this podcast, but I think we bring in Rob Schneider. I feel. Ooh. <laughs> I feel like the character is really weird. Like 1999, Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider now is uh, he's gone off an even deeper deep end. But yeah, I I think I want Rob Schneider to kind of be his weird self in this movie. Have the bug guy be a little
0: weird. Is he believable as a as like a a scientist?
1: I mean, we cast Christmas Jones. <laughs> denise richards so
0: when you said him uh, it made me think what if we had bobcat Goldwaite as
1: mm. as that guy yes perfect best shot sarah
3: i was thinking probably the opening scene where julia roberts character is um running horseback running away from a wedding and with the music in the background it just seemed like a good open
1: yes Yes, that definitely set the scene for the rest of the movie. It told us everything we needed to know with one shot, Dustin.
0: It did, and it's also my choice. It was it was very clear, beautiful shot, and it did set the scene. Or it was perfect. So yeah, the same exact shot.
1: Yep, I'm gonna make it three for three. Julia does yeah. a a good job within the shot of conveying emotion, which is hard to do when you're riding a horse towards the camera. So good job, <laughs> Julia. Good job, cameraman move on to our best scene
3: i said the the scene where richard gear had gotten a hold of um or ike had gotten a hold of the tapes of the other weddings Mm -hmm. and watches all the other weddings and you can see the different characters she was in in her different moments in time and um it really said a lot in a short period of time which was really impactful and, and it really helped show what they needed to say in a short amount of time which was good
1: very good yeah that it explains the issue without just speaking the dialogue to you, yeah speaking to you like you're a
0: child it's like she
1: has no personality now we're going to show it through videotape dustin uh, it's when she uh she
0: Finishes her breaking and entering. I think the third time she does it, uh, <laughs> and she and and she proposes to him on his balcony. I think that was as sweet as we wanted. It, we had several callbacks. I thought the, I thought the use of like Ike's musical taste was unimportant in this movie, but I did like the music in that scene. And there's just a great shot of the New York skyline. So it was yeah. my favorite scene.
1: Miles Davis is never unimportant, sir.
0: It's unimportant in this movie. Aww. completely unimportant. Oh, she.
1: I did write down. It's like this lady has a future as a burglar if this doesn't work out. <laughs> 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 for yeah, that's a very sweet scene. She turns in the running shoes. It does make me right. say, oh. But for me, it's it's another scene. It's a very short cutaway scene. But it's after Ike proposes, and Maggie and Ike are just playing cards. And I wasn't familiar with the game. Is it Double Dutch or something like
3: that? It looked like Slapjack.
1: Yeah.
0: It looked like Slapjack, yeah. There's two two games like that, but Slapjack is kind of the older one. Well, they're,
1: they're playing some card game. And they're laughing and falling on each other and accusing each other of cheating. And it's just a sweet scene that really it made the chemistry believable for me. And it was one of those moments where my uh, my very very tiny heart grew three your sizes. Your heart grew three sizes. Yes. I knew you were gonna say
0: that. yes.
2: <laughs> so, so
1: I I was happy. I I was smiling during those that scene. So your best wardrobe and makeup moment.
3: I don't know if you quite call this wardrobe or makeup, but I loved the moment where uh, right before she was going to get married to Ike and um, she's getting very nervous and she does eventually run. But while she's getting ready, one of her friends gives her bubble gum and puts her in front of the fan and just the bubble gum, was, is is my <laughs> yes. best wardrobe makeup moment because it was just using that de- that small prop as not wardrobe or makeup, but just as a device to show the the panic and the fear and trying to calm herself and I, yeah that that's. Oh. My moment. All
1: right, bubblegum and wardrobe. I will. I like it as the special, the makeup. Dustin, how about you?
0: Oh, you know, I'm coming with the wardrobe and makeup moments. I've got three of them to list here and I'll go fast. Wow. The absolute worst thing are Joan Cusack's uh, butterfly clips. Absolute worst <laughs> <thing>. The <laughs> second thing that was almost as bad was uh, Maggie's look, was, was the Julia Roberts look of the cowboy hat and the patterned long sleeve tee. No, no qualms about the denim the denim of that time i know it fits a little differently than it has since then but i i love that late 90s denim uh but that particular look with the cowboy hat uh, absolutely dreadful i had to bring those two up to get to my favorite one which is, i think might be controversial but it was b- played by uh kathleen marshall don't remember what her name in the movie is but specifically it's the it's like the shorteralls dress with the oxford shirt underneath and a tie that was during the wedding rehearsal uh, at the church thought that I I, I, I thought it looked just cute. Like it looked re- it, it, like somebody said, let's try this and it works, honey. So there you go. That's those are my moments. <laughs>
1: that is not a look you see very much today.
0: No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a shorter all's dress.
1: Yep. I am going with a callback. I mentioned some of these callbacks earlier. Joan Cusack is wearing a Peaches baseball cap, and that's the name of the team from A League of Their Own. And Penny Marshall directed it. Joan's sister starred in it, so Anne Cusack, I like the Peaches baseball cap. It's like, oh, that's cute.
0: Yeah, hail Peaches. Yeah, 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 that is, that's a cool callback. I didn't make that connection. Yep,
3: Sarah,
1: change one thing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think... That we should have had some more development of Bob and had him, like, working out shirtless.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. He
1: he should be pushing the sleds.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, doing some weightlifting in his house or in his gym and, yeah, yeah, some sweat movement. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's my one change. You
1: you want Bob shirtless tossing the big tractor tire in the field? Yes.
3: All right. There we go. All
0: right, boys, let's hit the showers. Me first. (laughs) 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 <laughs> this, this just got turned into a
1: way different movie <laughs> Dustin get us back to the PG era
0: <laughs> sure thing um, if I'm going to change one thing I, I, I did mention it earlier it would be to make Ike just a little slimier a little more like New York get the like the New York off of him maybe have it where it's not so easy how he ingratiates himself in the town yeah they got him with the uh, with the hair dye but it just seems it it had to move that fast but i just make it a little harder for him a little too easy for him so that's what i would change. all
1: right well that's what happens when you've got charisma and you're very handsome like it's (laughs) it's all easy for you mine i'm gonna change a major part of the movie i don't like the last run where she runs on ike i know it leads Mm. up to your favorite scene but, I think I would rather just Maggie grab his hand, realize she doesn't want this type of wedding. grab his hand, they run out together. We miss the FedEx joke, but then she mm. goes and has her own wedding, her style, and they just run off together. It would also shorten the movie, which yep <laughs> ma- would make me happy.
0: <laughs> that's a better movie you 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 did it that's better,
1: sir <laughs> Sarah's like hard disagree. The, uh. the the shoes are an important part to yeah. the, the iconography of this movie this is true
0: and the movie poster yeah. yes best quote sarah uh
3: so i had a, i had a couple of different ones my my favorite funny one was when somebody was asking ike how he got his story and if it was just a drunk in a bar and he said, Hey, don't knock drunks in bars. It means they're not out driving, which I thought that was funny and, <laughs> that is, that is funny. <laughs> and nice uh, quip. But then my favorite, more of the sappy side was um, when Maggie said, I love eggs, Benedict. I hate every other kind. I hate big weddings with everybody staring. I'd like to get married on a weekday. While everybody's at work, and when I ride off into the sunset, I want to—I want my own horse, and Ike says, should I be writing this down? It's just, she finally figures it out, and um, she knows what she wants, and she knows how she likes it. And there's something to be said about understanding who you are, and, and that was a good moment for her.
1: And it's a good line by Ike at the <coughs> end. Should I be writing this
3: down? Sounds like something you'd you'd ask me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would remember it. I knew your yeah. eggs. I looked at her as this movie was over. It's like, I know what eggs you like.
3: We both knew what each other's eggs were. Yes,
1: yes. That's why we're compatible.
3: <laughs> and they weren't the same.
1: No. Dustin, your your best quote.
0: My my best quote is it was written in the paper and it's not delivered by a primary actor. It's it's delivered by an extra or something. But uh it's the headline is hardware honey goes nuts and bolts (laughs) that's really good
1: you know someone got really excited to put that point like that's what
0: journalists live for and and i loved it and it was it was so good that they printed it but they needed somebody to say it so yeah hardware honey goes nuts and bolts is the best
1: yes that's a great one for me it's christopher maloney when he's Menacingly coming up to Ike at the wedding, and then he gives him the flower and says, "Maintain eye contact." And it's just delivered so straight, but it's such a funny moment.
3: And I like how then that then later was when he quit maintaining contact was when she ran away.
1: Yes, yeah, he. I love that he broke the spell. All right, now it's time for. it's time to rate runaway bride so on a scale of zero to five stars with half star intervals sarah what are you giving runaway bride
3: i understand that runaway bride is not some oscar worthy film i i love i love a rom-com though so i can't give fives to something that i know is not a great film
1: you can we've had it in the past
3: well it bothers me <laughs> um and i also as you know do not go to extremes in general so um <laughs> anyway so but i do enjoy it and and for that reason i i say four
1: four stars very good dustin what are you giving runaway bride
0: this is exactly a three star movie it is we know that it's Gary Marshall's style and I think it is so very much his style. And so very much like set up the way that it is like, this is a great, like C average baseline for romantic comedies. That's a better score than what our, you know, rotten tomatoes friends are giving it. Right. Um, And it was enjoyable.
1: That's fair. I surprisingly found myself going three and a half. I enjoyed this movie a whole lot more than I thought I would given the premise, but it's mostly just a good, lighthearted, fun movie, and it's a delight to revisit the rom-com genre for the podcast. We we just don't hit it very often. We, we miss out, so I enjoy when we can get a guest that says, I want to do this instead of science fiction or horror, you know, or... Or crime. You're picking those two. Yeah, you are not picking science fiction, <laughs> horror, or crime. No. That I would be shocked. All right. So we've got a pretty good spread there. Three, three and a half, and four are working our way up. Dustin, do you want to help us pick a movie for next time?
0: Totally. Lay it on me.
1: Right. Option one. We are going with Body of Lies from 2008. A CIA agent on the ground in Jordan hunts down a powerful terrorist leader while being caught between the unclear intentions of his American supervisors and Jordan intelligence. Option 2. Unknown from 2011. When a man awakens from a coma only to discover that someone has taken on his identity, he teams up with a young woman to prove who he is. Option 3. The International from 2009. An Interpol agent attempts to expose a high-profile financial institution's role in an international arms-dealing ring.
0: That's a good list. Option three, the international, what we go with. All right, very
1: good. This will be a new one for me. Can't wait to discuss it. Looking forward to it. Sarah, thank you for joining us. It's always good to to have your opinion, and thank you for helping us out. No problem thank you all the lords ladies and knights of the retro movie roundtable we invite you to reach out to us we want to hear from you so subscribe rate and review us on itunes spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcasts that not only helps us but it helps other people that love movies find podcasts like ours give us a like on facebook give us comments we'll talk back to you follow us on twitter at movie underscore retro or email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com So producing and providing this podcast is fun, but it's not free, so we invite you to support us at Patreon. You know you want to be the first supporter of us? Patreon.com slash Retro (laughs) Movie Roundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go towards making the show better for you, the listeners. As always, thank you for listening, be good to each other, and watch more movies. Dustin?
0: Your dad says he doesn't let trust babysitters. Well, can't say I blame him. (laughs) I had a babysitter myself
2: once.